Hi, I'm John Heumann. On February 17th, Ash Wednesday, Peace will be having two drive-in worship services in our front parking lot at noon and 7 p.m. Our staff will be coming around to every car to provide ashes. And then, on February 21st, in-person worship begins for our 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. services. You'll get an opportunity to register ahead of time. Health and safety measures will be enacted, and masks will be required. Live streaming will also take place for both worship services. The show notes for this episode include all the details about these events and a whole ton of other things going on in the peace community. Okay, here's the sermon. What I want to talk about specifically today, I take a lot of information from my favorite author, Rob Bell, and his book, Everything is Spiritual. So I want to make sure to give credit where credit is due. And if you haven't read this yet, I know some of you have, I highly recommend it. He talks about uh, how all of life, God is just infused in all of it, and in so many ways that we don't even think about. So I highly recommend this book to you, your small groups, uh, just you as individuals, whatever, but check this book out if you get a chance. It's really uh, enlightening. So I want to start today by telling you a little bit of my distant story. Uh, Here's a picture of my family, my parents uh, getting married, and my grandparents. And you'll notice my dad's parents, they grew up in Shaker Heights in Cleveland. And uh, my grandfather, if you go back uh, to his great-grandfather, made the decision to come over from Frotsham, England to the States. And some of his family stayed behind. We've actually been to England and visited Uh, We had an Uncle George that was uh, just like one generation removed from my grandpa's great-grandpa. And so the decision for half of the family to move here makes me think, what what if they hadn't made that decision? How would life look different for me? Would I even be here had they not made that decision? Now, my mom's parents were the Kershaws. And they met, uh, it was two friends, they were sailors, my grandpa and his best buddy, and they started dating sisters, my grandma and her sister, and they both got married, and one day they were driving from Chicago and were not sure where they were headed to, the details are a little sketchy, but they were driving from his home in Chicago after they got married, and Wherever they were headed to, the car broke down in Mansfield, Ohio, and while the car had broken down and was being repaired, they bought a house. (laughs) So, So my grandparents, two stories of almost not, uh, not, Mindless decisions, but major decisions were made that affected the trajectory not only of their life, but affected who I am as a human being. Now, my parents, they, uh, my dad had tried to set up my, uh, my mom with a blind date, if I have this story right, correct me if I'm wrong, mom, but uh, he got tired of the guy not wanting to go out with her, so he said... Well, then I'll do it. And so they went out, and obviously one thing led to another, and they decided to make a home in Columbus, Ohio. So think of these three different stories of decisions, where we live, 
who were with, all of which at the time may not seem like a major thing, but it's all connected. And, and the fact that I'm here today in Gehenna, Ohio, and am who I am is a result of all of these different decisions along the way. And it, it makes me wonder if one thing were to change in all of that, would I even be here? It's an age-old question that we all ask in one way, shape, or form, who am I? I'm sure you, in some way, have asked this question, who am I? Rob Bell tells this parable of a woman wanting to know the answer to this question. She wants to know, who, in fact, am I? And she heard about a yogi who lived up on a mountain. And so she climbed for several days to get to this yogi's cave in the middle of nowhere up on this mountain. And she goes in. She finds him sitting around a fire in the cave meditating. And she says to him, who am I? I've come here to ask that one question. And the yogi says, whoa, whoa, whoa. That question is way bigger than I can answer. And so she left, but she'd heard that there was a saint that lived even higher on the mountain. And so for another couple days, she fought through the snow and the weather to get up to this saint's dwelling. And this saint was sitting there in peace, praying to God. And the woman goes up and says to him, I want to know, who am I? And the saint says, well, no, that's way above my pay scale, but... There's a wise old woman another day's hike up the mountain. So the woman climbed up further, desiring to know the answer to this question, who am I? And she goes to this, finally finds this old woman sitting on a carpet in her own personal cave. And she goes in and she says to her, I am dying to know the answer to this question, who am I? And the old woman with a feeble voice says, who's asking? Come on now, come on, who's asking? All right, maybe it wasn't as funny as I thought it was. (laughs) But the point is, we all ask this age-old question, who am I? Jesus even tells this parable. Uh, of, and sometimes we read it differently, but, but you can read it very practically. Jesus tells this parable of a farmer who sows seed, and some of the seed falls on not good soil. Some of it falls on rocky ground. Those, those seeds don't seem to take, but the seed that the farmer sows or throws that goes into good soil, it bears fruit, and it takes off. It's almost like Jesus in this parable is admitting I don't even know how it works. I don't know how it all works, but somehow we're all connected. In the book, Rob Bell talks about the universe, and he goes into great detail about how our universe is formed, but before I get to that, I want to go to the book of Genesis and our creation story that's a part of our faith and this great poem that was written by the author of Genesis, and 
I'm going to fast forward to kind of the end of the poem where God has created everything, but God uh, sits back and gives us as humans the opportunity to kind of have dominion or to be the overseers of this beautiful, wonderful creation that God has made. And so in verse 28, we pick it up and it says, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, what God's saying there is, I've made you to make more of you, not only in terms of more humans, but more life, to continue to grow and expand and develop and become new things. That's the way I've wired the universe, to continue to grow, develop, and make more life. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And it goes on and on. And the whole point being, I've developed this entire creation that everything makes more of itself. Life continues to grow, expand, and develop. Now here something that might blow your mind. The word for God in this poem, in the original language, in Hebrew, is this word. Let me hear you say Elohim. Elohim. Now here's what's going to blow your mind. The word for God there, Elohim, it's plural. Sit back and think about that for a minute. The word for God is plural. In other words, God is all sorts of forms. It's one God, and I think that's important to say. We believe in one God, not multiple, but this one God has all sorts of forms and personalities and thoughts. One God is plural. Now let's go back to the scientific definition of the universe. And this is what Rob Bell gets into in his book. 13.8, roughly, billion years ago, the universe, according to scientists, was the tiny point of a very condensed mass. 13.8 billion years ago, kind of a condensed, super dense mass. And then, bang, it all started expanding. Now, some scientists, and this is fascinating, that scientists actually have gone back and have figured this out, at least in theory. Three minutes into the creation of this universe, of the the universe that we exist in, three minutes into the creation of this, particles started mixing with other particles, and they formed atoms. Three minutes into the creation, expanding particles, mixing with particles, forming atoms. So for the first time in the history of the universe, something new was created. Three minutes in. Now, fast forward 30,000 years. 30,000 years, those atoms started joining with other atoms. And do you know what they formed? Anyone? Molecules. Molecules. Thank you, Eric. Eric, the sound guy, got it right. Molecules. So 30,000 in. 30,000 years in. 
atoms join with other atoms and for the first time in the history of the universe formed something brand new, molecules. Then, fast forward, are you ready for this? Just a small blip of time, 9 billion years. So we started with 13.8 billion. We now fast forward to 9 billion years. Those molecules start forming with other molecules, and Eric, do you know what they formed? Some say elements. Huh? Some say elements. Cells. They formed cells. Nine billion years into the creation of the universe, something brand new takes place. Do you get a sense? All along, this universe is doing two things. It's expanding. It's continuing to grow and and become more of itself. And it's still forming brand new things. It blows me away to think about that. The universe continues to grow, develop, expand, make more of itself. And it continues to make brand new things. It's wild to think about that. The universe is designed to expand and to grow. So when you say, and I hear people say this all the time, when you say, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself, of course you do. Because that's the way you're made. That's the intent of the creator. It's this longing inside all of us that we want to be a part of something more. We want to continue to grow and develop and make more and be connected to things that are bigger than ourselves. It's in our DNA. It's how we're made. It's the natural state of the world in which God designed. We are made to expand, and to grow. That's how God made us. So think about this. When you're lonely, the reason for loneliness, the reason that it feels such a state of despair is because we weren't designed to be by ourselves. We were designed to be connected to others. It's one of the really difficult things, and so many of you know this, it's one of the really difficult things of this virus. We've struggled to maintain connection with one another in, in any sort of normal semblance of life. I, I learned this way back when I got out of college. One of my dreams, I mentioned that my dad's family, both sides of my family actually came over from England. I'm not exactly sure how I became a Lutheran, but uh, uh, right, we had gone to England when I was in high school. My parents had taken us as a family over, and it was a true blessing, and I really felt this connection to some of my relatives in England. And so part of my desire after college was to go back to England. The problem was, right as I was getting ready to do that, the Persian Gulf War broke out and no travel was allowed. So I had to work for a while as a waiter until that period of time ended, those, that conflict ended, and I was able then on one of the first planes to go pursue my dream and try to look for some employment in England, and my goal was to stay about six months. What I didn't calculate into my plan was 
The UK was struggling economically, and there were no jobs to be had for their own people, let alone the foreigner from the U.S. But I still went, tried to pursue for a while, but what I didn't calculate into my plans was this. As an extreme extrovert who longs to be connected with other people, to be by myself in a foreign country, brought on emotions I didn't know I had within me. And so, one day at a youth hostel in Bath, England, I went to the front desk and I asked, can you tell me people who are traveling by themselves so that I can go and ask them if I could travel with them? And I thought in my head this was a great idea until I went to the first door and I knocked on the door and this Australian guy opens the door and I said, hi, I'm traveling by myself, would you like to travel with me? And he gave me this look like, you are the biggest creeper I've ever met in my life. And he gave me this response, uh, I already have a mate, and closed the door. But it, it instilled in me this understanding about myself that I am designed to have connection with other people, and I didn't realize how, how devastating it was to be in a place where that was really hard to find. We are designed from the beginning of time to form connections and to bond with other people, to grow and to expand our horizons. It's in the way God made us. I think about racism. One of the struggles, and as Tony mentioned in the announcements, we're going to try to talk about social justice this week and our response to some of uh, the the racism uh, struggles we've been seeing of late. And what strikes me is racism is a result of not growing. It's a result of not realizing that all of us, regardless of skin color or where we come from, we were all part of the same matter. And what God has designed us to do is connect, not remove ourselves from that connection. So when we fail to connect, when we fail to expand our horizons, our own understandings, our own embrace, when we fail to do any of that, we are going against the laws of the universe. God designed us to be unified. You ever watch birds when they fly together? I have a picture of some birds here. You ever see them like when they're in humongous flocks in the sky. And, and, and they almost form these art designs in the sky. And, and I've done some reading on this, and it's not like there's one bird in charge that makes it all happen. Somehow they instinctively bob and weave with one another, and they form these amazing images in the sky. It's like... They're just showing us the way the universe is designed. Jesus, at one point in the Gospel of John, says, you, talking to his disciples, but we can read into it that he's really talking to all of us as his followers, you are in me and I am in you. 
It's like we're all part of the same DNA. We're all wired to be connected. Why else would Jesus use the the metaphor that we are all one body? We're all part of the same system, and, and our goal is to move together. It doesn't mean we always agree, but it means that somehow we all are connected with one another, and we always want to be growing, developing, and expanding our horizons. It's the way God made us in the Shema. The Shema is this old Jewish uh, verse. It's in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's one of the highest verses in uh, a Jewish person's understanding of Scripture. It says, the Lord our God is one. The Lord our God is one. Now remember earlier what I said, Elohim is plural. So when it says the Lord our God is one, it, it literally means unified community. Unified community. Let me close with one last uh, uh, molecular image. So scientists are able to break down cells and make even finer and finer and finer, and they've come up with uh, so many times divided what are called quarks. Have you heard of these? Quarks? And uh, according to Rob Bell and his scientific research, you can take a quark and put one on, in New York and put one in L.A. And the one in New York, you take and it's, they naturally spin in one direction. And if you split it and you take the other half and you put it in L.A. and you somehow scientifically get the cork in New York to start spinning the other direction, do you know what happens to the one in L.A.? It starts reversing its spin as well. The universe is designed in such a way that we can't even begin to comprehend, much less comprehend how God is at work in it. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. God has designed it with scientific proof that we're all part of the same substance. We're all connected, and we are designed to grow and expand our horizons. So I want to challenge all of us. If there's something that you're hung up on in terms of a race of people, in terms of a a type of person, in terms of someone at work that drives you crazy, someone in your household who you can't stand because you've been quarantined with them too long, I want you to put them in your head right now, and I want you to remind yourself of this. We are designed to be connected to one another. Even when that's tough, we are designed to expand our understanding and our embrace of one another. It's our calling as Christians, and it's our calling as people made by God. Amen.